0: Hi, I'm John. Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries. Now, as you can no doubt tell, I'm not joined by Hannah today. She's at work doing some extra hours, but I wanted to put out a quick episode. So I thought I'd take the opportunity to talk about Some recent prep that I did for my Smoke and Snow Old School Essentials game. Now if you've been listening to the podcast and the various bits and pieces I do on YouTube, you'll have no doubt heard about the fact that I'm pretty much enamoured of Sly Flourish's Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master. And I've used a few bits and pieces out of it over the, the sort of months since I've had the book and for those of you who aren't familiar it's basically a book that focuses on sort of minimising your prep and getting it to focus on what's most important at the table which I think can be a good thing because it's very easy to get stressed out about the amount of prep you're doing or to spend your time doing prep that isn't really productive or doesn't get used. And that's fine if you like that sort of thing. But, you know, if you're pressured, you may be time poor, it can be a little bit difficult. So to go through it in very sort of minimal detail, just to touch on it, Sly Furish basically comes up with this idea of going through a number of steps. And those steps are review the characters, create a strong start, outline potential scenes, define secrets and clues develop fantastic locations, and outline important NPCs. There's some of the little bits and pieces in there, but in the mainstay, that's pretty much it. And he's made a template available on Notion, a note-taking app, which I have downloaded and installed on my computer, and I've been using this template, and it just lays it all out. So, session 23, Village of the Lang Mystics, was one of the... First sessions I've actually tried doing the full process for and just tried running per the book Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master. So we had our strong start where we're bringing a new player character in. Uh, My friend David joined the game and he wanted to play a rogue. So we started off with him lying almost dead in the snow. He'd been attacked by undead monks and his fellows had been slaughtered. He alone survived, perhaps thanks to the silver dagger that he bought at Character Gen, which seemed to injure the undead a great deal more than other weapons that his fellows were using. We'd already established when we chatted about his character previously, that he was known to the other player characters, he was a member of their village, and they'd sent him away to do some tasks um, in the background, and in doing so, he'd acquired a certain amount of experience and had decided that, you know, the sort of life of a poor village dung farmer wasn't for him. And he'd set off in search of the other player characters to join them in their adventures. But we start off with him lying dead, in, almost dead in the snow, bit a tap of these undead monks. They're about to finish him off when this armoured figure carrying a midnight black blade with an imperious command, causes the undead to stop. He then tells the almost-dead rogue Quentin that he used to travel with his companions, and that he wanted him to give them a message that they must swear allegiance to the Smoking Mirror, or they would be swept aside and crushed. And so saying, he placed his hand on the face of Quentin, who felt cold winter energies flowing into him. We then cut to a scene of, like, a day later, the player characters discovering the evidence of this massacre, although, curiously, no bodies. Quinton is healed, although I asked Dave for a bit of input, you know, what sort of physical change has taken place. she have been healed by these horrible, deathly winter energies. And he went with the vibe of having these sort of icy blue scars, so we ran with that. They found him, he explained what was going on, We had Johannes' character had seen it a bit in a vision and recognised the the guy with the midnight black blade as Oscoris Otoris, who was a character that um, my friend Ian White played in the first two sessions. Unfortunately, he had to leave the game. So we sort of just had his character shuffled into the background and I thought it'd be nice to sort of bring him back as not necessarily a villain per se, but more of like an anti-hero. You know, they've got a bit of history with him rather than just like parachuting a bad guy in. So we did that. I hashed out a few scenes. I had some secrets and clues written down. They would decided before the session that they were planning to travel to this village called Leng, populated by these harvling-sized tribespeople. And they'd discovered, through their various adventures, the player characters, that apparently, when the elder of the Leng is about to die, they do a sort of magical ritual where his successor takes on all the memories and the knowledge of the dying elder and they've been doing this for hundreds of years so effectively they have a long unbroken source of information which the player characters want to make use of because they're trying to find out more about the stuff that's going on in the background about this supposedly imprisoned chaotic deity called the smoking mirror and various other things that occurred in the past now one of my favorite things that is in the return of the lazy dungeon master is the emphasis on secrets and clues. And effectively, it's just a checklist of things that your player characters might find out in the game. And Mike Shea, Sly Flourish, advises that you come up with 10 of those per session, which I've got to admit, I did find a little bit challenging, but as he said in the book, trying to sort of delve into that and force myself to think of 10 did get me to think a little bit outside the box. And the idea of these secrets is that they're not true until the player characters discover them, so I think kind of about the out of about the sort of ten or twelve that I came up with they discovered all but two of them, so those are now fixed, they are true as far as it goes, whereas the others are discarded, they may get recycled in the future. But they don't have to. They may not be true at all. And I found that very freeing. It meant that when the player characters were talking to the Leng Elder, they're asking him all these questions about the background and stuff like that. I'd got some interesting plot elements I could drop in, but I didn't feel the onus was on me to like make sure they discovered all of them. Because if they don't, no harm, no foul. It's just 10 bullet points. It's not like I spent days and days creating these secrets. We also had... Some locations, obviously, the, the village, the Lang Mystics was the main one, and Sly so Flourish gives some great ideas on how to make your locations fantastic. Effectively, it advises you to focus on big things and old things, which, let's face it, if you're in the sort of traditional fantasy mode, that tends to be what you remember as being fantastic. It's so that everyone remembers the the giant statues from Lord of the Rings? If something's got that pattern of age about it, it more immediately sticks in your mind. And then I made a list of the the sort of main NPCs that were going to crop up. In this case, there was Oscorus Uritora, who was the the guy with the midnight black blade, Siva Yagmoas, who was the elder of the Lang, and Pangmi Zong, who was his daughter and wasn't too keen on the player characters arriving in the village because the lang elder who smoked the rare mountain lotus had seen a vision that shortly after the player characters left this village he was going to die of natural causes so as far as his daughter was concerned they were bringing death upon the lang village but her father the elder was like no this is the way things are supposed to be I've accepted this after all it's not like I'm really dying because part of me will go on in my successor so it wasn't although she was threatening them with a bow at first and telling them to like get lost basically it wasn't really a sort of combat encounter it was a a bit of sort of the players going oh what's going on here like hopefully intriguing them and sort of wanting them to get in and find out a bit more what's going on in the Lang village and also it sort of gave the idea that Although the Elder's very calm and serene and at peace, his daughter is more fiery, she's more young, and Siva Yagmoas even made some reference about the young thinking that they can change fate with a weapon or with their own bare hands, whereas as an older man, he knew better. So, what did I think of this method of preparation for the game? Well, I certainly thought it had a lot of promise, to the point where... I'm going to use it for my next session, which is taking place next Friday as and when this comes out. And I don't know whether I'm going to use it full time because, you know, I do love that prep. And I have got a lot of stuff in my VTT of choice, which is Foundry, which I wouldn't really be using if I was doing this method. But I'm sort of straddling the line between the two of them at the minute. And I'm still using the maps. I've still got stats for NPCs and stuff in the VTT. But the main sort of planning um, proportion of my sessions has now moved onto this Notion template because it just helps me keep it all in one place. And I've always loved the bullet point idea because it's nice and simple. It forces me to focus on what's important and not sort of get too flowery with the descriptions or loads of box text and stuff like that. I want to focus on what's going to make an impact at the start of the game what are the potentially interesting scenes what cool is there for the player characters to find out who are they going to be dealing with and that's grand as far as i'm concerned so i'm a pretty big fan of this method of prep i've got to say i'm going to see how i get on with it in the future i may keep using it i might not i don't know at the moment but i'll make sure i let you guys know anyway that's just a short episode to talk about what i'm doing with my games at the minute. I've recently cut down to just running a single game. I put my White Star game on hold just because my workload's increased and I've not really had the time to devote to running two games. So I'm now only running a Smoke and Snow OSE campaign one day every other week. So it's every other Friday, basically. And that's giving me a little bit more time to prep and also meaning I'm not in so much of a rush all the time. So I'm really looking forward to the next session of OSE and trying out this uh, Lazy Dungeon Masters approach even more like said, so, i'll keep you up to date if you've got anything you'd like to say maybe you'd like to feature in a future episode you can get in touch with us a couple of different ways you can either leave us a voicemail message using speakpipe or anchor there'll be a link in the description below or you can send us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com until we see you next time take care stay safe and whatever you're playing have fun